glory to God. Give somebody a Holy Ghost high five. Tell them you're glad you came to the house of the Lord. Man, it is good to see everybody today. Would you open your Bibles, please, uh, to the book of uh, Matthew, Matthew chapter 16. Glory be to God. Look at your neighbor and say, this is the year of the great lifting up. Oh, yeah. Hallelujah. 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 Things are changing. Find somebody else and say, you're coming out of where you've been. Into where you're destined to go. Glory to God. Woo-wee. Hallelujah. Glory, glory, glory to God. Have you found Matthew chapter 16? Well, if you haven't, find it. I apologize, Miss Sandra hadn't found it yet, but, uh, you know. You know, that statement makes me feel like that whole Jumanji movie, you know, where you got this stampede, and, and he's sitting there, and the stampede rumbles through the house, and at the end of it, you got this rhino going, <laughs> following the pack. I'm not calling you a rhino, Miss Sandra. I'm just saying, sometimes we feel that way. I realized how that sounded. When I, I used to say, my wife corrected me on this I, when I talked about women going to the bathroom in herds. I just talk about they go, you know, more than one or a pack or something. Woo, the helper's here. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Isn't God good? All I know is I'm happy. Heaven's happy. The tomb is empty. Jesus is here. Nothing is impossible. And the Lord of glory is in the house with us today. Hallelujah. I'm so grateful for all of our internet campuses and everybody that's watching. And a great big thank you to all of our partners uh, I think it was already announced. We've got the video media training. I thought since uh, we may not get back to this, I, I, I might ought to mention this. I, I think it was announced already. But the bottom line is I'm just so grateful. We've got a whole new studio set in the house, a big jib boom that's coming. We're transforming it to a studio. All things are happening. We're hurtling toward turning dirt on two buildings this year. and All of those things are happening. But I just would like to take a moment and thank God for his provision in every area of our lives. In fact, the boxes that are back in the corner, uh, so much of that is all the new studio equipment. All of it may not be here, but we want to get it here in time for the training. And mighty things are happening. I was texted yesterday morning, 5:10 in the morning, about uh, the Great Faith Dome in South Africa and can you come October? Like yada yada. I don't know if we can make that work out. Uh, we'll be with them, but and in three full weeks next year, Pakistan's blown wide open. Saltillo, Mexico. This uh, where we're headed. Uh, is a precursor meeting with pastors all over the area and other nations. We'll be doing a professional baseball stadium that seats about 16,000 next year with leadership training, a youth crusade in the midst of all that. Mighty things are happening all over the world. The harvest is coming in. Glory to God. It's time. Oh, glory to God. It's time. Amen. from today, staying along the path of what the Spirit of God has really spoken of, not only, and once again, for those of you that have not been in the flow of where we've been, uh, I'll do my best in a a three-minute synopsis to, to bring you up to speed the best I can, but three days prior to 2020, the Word of the Lord came to me as I was preparing on that month of December, looking into the new year for 2020. So this would have been 
2019, three days prior to 2020 turning. And we're having our year-end prophetic meeting, looking into the year, those kinds of things. And the Spirit of God visited me dramatically. And I doubled over where I was. The wall disappeared. And the world just, I saw the whole world. And it just began to violently shake. My eyes opened like a, the wall just disappeared. And, I, I, and it just began to violently shake as the earth was turning. I saw borders rearranging. Governments changing. Economies falling. Dots hitting the map in strategic locations, as the earth would turn, bam, a, a dot would hit the map and in a, a nation, maybe an obscure nation in the 1040 window, maybe one that you think is a stronghold uh, where Christianity can't get in there. And God said to me, he told me, he made me to know instantly I knew everything that can be shaken will be. I mean, I knew that immediately. It just boom, exploded. And he said to me, I don't want to talk to you about a year. I want to talk to you about a decade. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And I want to make sure that we get our eyes on the bigger picture of what's going on here. He said, I want to talk to you about a decade. This shall be known as a decade of deliverance. Glory be to God. Then he said to me, a new generation of deliverers is being born. Let me try that over here. He was talking about you. You see, you need to understand that we're not just talking about little babies. We are probably talking about young men and women like the 20 years old and younger that didn't get to go in the promised land that have come of age and it's time to take the land, so now they're not 20. Right? But regardless, chronologically, you've got to come out of the natural and realize that deliverance is being born in you. Come on in. That this shaking is to shake you out of where you are into the purpose, the grand scheme of the eternal destiny for your life. A generation of deliverers is being born. And he's talking about you, the church, the church. I uh, just recently was privileged to refer to this to a a staff, a rather large staff of an international office of a ministry we're connected with where they asked me to, to come online and minister to their staff. This happened this last week. And within the hour, I began to refer back to some of these things. Uh, just, you know, you, we take for granted that everybody has a clue or they've heard it, especially if they've heard the word and they're strong, steeped in the word. But it began to, I began to see things change in their heart and mind and their eyes and life when I began to talk to them about the shaking and what it is. And Hebrews 12 says that everything that can be shaken will be. And the purpose of it is that we might receive an unshakable kingdom. That we might receive. That we might receive. Understand, this shaking is not to shake your life, shake your world, destroy your world. It is to shake things. It is literally your receiving time. Job 38, 13 says he's going to take the four corners of the earth and shake it and shake the wicked out of it. You need to understand the shakeable things, the things that don't have eternal covenant right to stay are being shaken off of your lives. 
All that stuff you thought you needed, all the veneer, the facade, the mud cakes, the faces, the things you built in yourself in affluent Western society, they're shaking off of you. So the real you, the real giant killer in you can come out. And you have to understand that the shaking is our receiving time. These are not negative times for the church. These are the greatest times the church has ever experienced. We are the only people on the planet that are manufactured by God to survive these times and thrive. And nobody can do what we can do in the hour of darkness. I'm telling you, nobody has the dominion. Nobody has that name. Nobody has the anointing that we possess as the body of Christ. We are the answer. We are the salt. We are the light. Come on, bring on the dark because it'll be light where we are. It's going to be light in Goshen. It's going to be light in the covenant of the blessed. But part of the things that people, I think, really get disillusioned about is they thought they were okay. And the shaking also reveals all the things you trusted in that were not the covenant and the king and the kingdom. So much of life being about you. So much of life being you thought you were trusting in God, but really you were trusting in the stock market. Or your 401k or your good job with health benefits or Medicaid or Medicare or, or the government. What happens when the man you think is going... Turn it around, doesn't get voted in. But let me get real clear about this. God is not a Democrat. In fact, let me just confuse your world real big. God's not even American. He's king. And I live in America, but I'm a citizen of a kingdom. Oh, glory. I have help from another world. The greater one lives on the inside of me. And really what we're facing is the full manifestation of full corn in the ear of an identity crisis. Of a generation that really were not taught biblical principles. They were taught church is like McDonald's. Go to the nearest one as long as they've got a good program and have cappuccino in the foyer and don't preach too long. Church drifted into consumerism. Like on-demand television. I don't have to be at home to watch my TV anymore. I can either record it or now I get it on demand. And so I just take everything that's available and fit it into my life. Now here's the problem with that where Christianity is concerned. You don't accept Jesus and add him to your life. When you accept Jesus, you give your life to Him. And that's the great cross. That if, the, if you want to see the glory, you've got to pick up and carry. And so I want to talk to you about the bigger picture. Because to be lifted up, to be ascended, to walk in resurrection power, to have access to all the things that are promised in the covenant, we've got to meet the conditions. Oh, now you're into legalism, brother. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about do's and don'ts, which we couldn't keep, which is why Jesus had to die. I'm talking about we have a covenant with an almighty God. And it is still run by spiritual laws. There is the law of obedience and blessings and the law of disobedience and curses. And God's not the one judging or cursing. 
God has given to us His thoughts and His ways about how to live life. And if you will do things His way, if you'll seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, all these things will be added to you. He's looking to reward you and give you the life that He gave you breath to live. Now, we have a free will, a choice. He gave us that. Glory to God for that. What the greatest gift God's ever given humanity. And that's why he didn't create more angels. He didn't want us to serve him because we had to. He wanted a family. He wanted us to choose him. To love him on purpose. To come to him. When we became aware, we couldn't meet our own need. That we would face situations far beyond our ability. And... I want to talk to you about that because we are to the world to be that representative. Amen? How are you so stable? How are you? So, why are you so happy today with, with the news that just came across CNN? Well, because the world's been through a lot of crisis that didn't affect me and won't affect me because I have a covenant. Now I have the opportunity to talk to them about the God of the covenant. The great God of peace. In the middle of the shaking, we're the unshakable ones. Just like the fire didn't touch Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, it stepped burn off their bonds, we're the untouchables. We do have a covenant of protection. And the Bible talks about the Apostle Paul. He, he suffered a lot. and Jesus said, if they hated you, or if they hated me, they'll hate you. And so... All they that live godly in life will suffer persecution. He never promised a life without opposition or persecution. We have an enemy out there. He just said he'd overcome it. <clears throat> and he had done it for us. And that in any tribulation, we could be of good cheer because we absolutely know how it turns out. And I'll either be delivered from it or through it. But the bottom line is, I will be delivered. Glory be to God. I like what Paul wrote to Timothy when he said, Persecutions and afflictions I received at Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. So regardless of what you think about Paul's thorn in the flesh, forget all that because today's not a teaching on that because so many religious, traditional, goofy ideas about what was wrong with him. But the bottom line is it really doesn't matter because he did get delivered from it. So when God says my grace is sufficient, he wasn't saying my grace is insufficient. See, we, 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 we talk like God saying, my grace is sufficient, so Paul, you're going to have to live with it. That's not what the, that's not what the Scripture teaches at all. It, it, is a, it is a transference. If you read it in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, it's very, very clear. He said, I will gladly, therefore, glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. He basically is saying, in my weakness, his strength is made excellent. I've learned the covenant of exchange. It was the abundant of revelation God gave me about the cost of the throne and absolute stripping of the devil and taking the keys that Satan's trying to oppose because I'm called to preach it. He's buffeting me on every side because I'm introducing the kingdom into the earth. He's trying to keep me from getting there to preach. And every time I turn around, I win this battle and I got another one because Satan's trying his best to stop this revelation from getting to the people. So he went to God and said, God, deliver me from this thing. And you know what God said to him? Well, you can read that and say, well, he said my grace is sufficient. What's he really saying? 
The Bible says, Peter wrote this. Peter said, rejoice in the abundance of grace that's brought to you at the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. So when God was saying to him, my grace is sufficient, he was saying, Paul, don't you remember? I gave you all authority. You deal with it. Saying, quit asking me to take off of you something I have already defeated. And even the great apostle Paul, caught to the third heaven, had to be reminded by the Lord, quit asking me to take it, you deal with it. Rise up in my name. Deal with this demon. And he did deal with it. And he did overcome it. And the churches did remain. And I don't know, you know, hey, somebody say, well, why did he do it three times? Simple, it didn't leave the first time. Yours may be seven dunks in a muddy river, but the leprosy did leave. Amen. Hallelujah. Quit getting caught up in all that. A righteous man may fall seven times, but he gets up eight. We've got to lift up our eyes to the end of the matter. And the end of the matter is it's going to turn out with us like it did with Job. Whoo, restored in every area of our lives. Glory be to God. We know the end of the matter. I said, we know the end of the matter. So don't get, caught, don't get caught up in the muck of the details between amen and there it is. Be focused on there it is. I have it. I believe I've received it. It belongs to me. Therefore, I'm walking on top of it. And I refuse to take my eyes off of Jesus because the outcome is guaranteed. So don't let the shaking shake your vision or your focus. Or, that's the big deal. Don't grow weary in well-doing. You will receive. You shall reap. You shall reap. That's strong. You shall reap. It's a guaranteed fixed event. You shall reap if you do not grow weary in well-doing. That's the part I'm talking about, about meeting the conditions. God rewards faith. And he said, everything you believe for, you'll not be disappointed if you continue in faith, enduring steadfastly with patience to the end. But that's the key. Faith is a race. It has an author and a finisher. And the finishing of our faith is the full harvesting of the plan of God. And I want to talk to you about that in greater detail here because I kind of got the preach on me and I've been exhorting here for a while to open the message. And I, and I pray it's, it's a blessing to you to kind of get your spirit up. But let's go to Matthew 16 now and deal with this. It's the year of the great lifting up. So everything that we hear, seven harvests, uh, all the promises of 2022, everything he said, if you go back and read that he was going to do in this decade, in 2020, all of this is under that canopy. And in order for this to come to pass, we're going to have to deal with not the fruit, in other words, running around fighting all these battles, but the root of what causes it. And one of the things that the Lord dealt with me about very strongly, which we don't have time to visit today, but the verse he gave me about this year was Isaiah 54, 12. And I don't want you to forget that. Because he basically said, I will make your pinnacles your windows of agate. We've covered that. Don't have time to deal with that today. But actually the Hebrew word would be your battlements. In other words, there's a tower on the corner of a fortified city. And from that tower, from that high place, God's created a place where the enemy can shoot, but he can't hit us. We're under covering, but we can see him coming from afar, and we can... Far from it.
The Amplified Classic says, far from even the thought of oppression. Now, if you follow it down, you'll find that he said, fear, terror, and oppression. He, he, he really describes them in a personified way as if they're demons. Because the way he describes them is, they shall gather together against you. Let me go read it. He said, fear, terror, and oppression shall gather together, like armies uh, surrounding a city, together against you. But not by me. God's very clear. I didn't send them. This suffering isn't my doing. Do you get this? And whoever gathers together against you shall fall. Glory to God. The odds are in your favor, not theirs. Come on now, the creator, you and the creator of the universe are bigger than any army. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. You're not alone. There's more with you than there are against you. They will fall and surrender to you. By the end of that, he says that the waster, the destroyer, cannot forge an instrument in the fire that can succeed against you. Because your enemy is not an evil God. Your enemy is a created being. God created him, and the created being cannot create a weapon that can overcome the authority of the Creator. The Creator's in you, and therefore no weapon formed against you can prosper. So when you look at verse 14, he says very clearly there, far from even the thought of oppression. Far from even the thought of oppression. And that's what I want to address here as we continue down this line by the Spirit of God is oppression, fear, and terror. The enemy, as he gathers against your fortified position of who you are in Christ, begins in the thought life. Let me try that over here. The in, you need to understand that when you're battling those thoughts like you're swatting flies all the time, oppression isn't far from you because you're already oppressed. You're not supposed to live life struggling through, well, I'm, you know, uh, I've been to three rehabs and I think it's going to stick this time. I'm 100 days without, without shooting up. That's not the way it ought to be. You shouldn't wake up in the morning, oh, fight it. Wait, go to bed and eat, oh, fight it. No. You see, the idea is you die to that. You're born again. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. The person that was driven by tormenting thoughts and lusts and drugs and the past and promiscuity and all that is dead. Glory to God. That old person was crucified with Christ. But no one can have a transformed life until they get a transformed mind. And the washing of the water of the word first must change the way you see yourself in Christ. Your identity. To believe that God's more right about you than you are right about you. God's more right about you than your feelings. God's more right about you than what you think. God's more right about you than what the banker said and the lawyer said and the, the lawsuit said and the, and the, and the, and the, and the. Because all of that will perish with the using. Every bit of that's going to melt with fervent heat. None of that is eternal. You have literally been bound by blood. God's own blood to a blood-bought covenant. It's everlasting. 
Blood between you and God over your survival. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. But you're going to have to get in that position. I like what it says in Proverbs 18.10. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. And the righteous run into it and they are safe. You have to understand that righteousness and a revelation of it and a righteousness consciousness is the first wall of defense against the enemy's embattlements. Until you can, and that's what it says in Isaiah 54. Now, I know I'm rehearsing some things a little longer than I meant to, but it seems like we're on a track here, a really, really good track. And so if we were to go back to Isaiah 54, we could see very clearly in verse 12, I'll make your windows of agates and all your borders of pleasant stones. Can you see a, a, an enriched, stable, reinforced border? Can you see that? So whatever he's about to say is going to impact the borders of your life. The territory you're taking. And he wants to enlarge your borders. And he first does that on the inside of yourself. You seeing it. That's what he did with Abraham. He said, look to the north, south, east, and the west. As far as you can see, it is yours to take. And every place you put your foot, the sole of your foot, you'll have possession. So there's a twofold thing. The promised land is revelation driven. He said, get up, get out of your kindred, get out of your family's house to a land I will show you. So understand, the land that you're called to is so far beyond what you're giving yourself permission to receive. That he has to show it to you. Just to get your thinking up, just to get your believer up, just to get yourself being willing to give yourself permission to prosper because you know how much money you don't have, how much education you don't have, all the evil thoughts and attitudes you had, how old you are now and you should have done it 20 years ago. And Okay. And basically, you don't want to admit it. You don't really want to look in the mirror and admit it. But sweetheart, it's all about you. And you're really not going to prosper much at all in the kingdom if you don't win the battle of it, quit being about you. Whew, glory to God. Now, I do believe he's growing the saints up. I really do. And it's one of the reasons that I'm assigned to do this in this arena because the great lifting up is first a lifting up of the way you see life. A lifting up of the way you see your role in life and what God can do through you and what he, why you're on the planet and, and what really you can have in the earth because of what he's done. Because we don't live by what we did. We live by what he did. Amen. Glory be to God. And uh, we see this in very real ways. But the point I really want to make, and let's go back to this because I've got, I've got some teaching to do yet this morning. And we're in a really good place of foundation to start from. So let's look at Isaiah 45, 12 one more time. Because it affects our borders. And our embattlements, our windows are like the tower on a wall. Windows are like the concrete things you see in a medieval castle. You know, at the top where it's got that crown looking thing where you've got gaps and openings, but you've got high places and they're like square. Like a little kid's uh, sandcastle on the beach, you know, that they make. And yeah. you got this tower, you know, where it's got, that's what those windows are. We're not talking about something that's sheer that you can see through. We're talking about, 
We're talking about agate is a very dark, hard stone. You have to cut it with a diamond blade. He is saying this is so hard that I'm putting you in a place of I'm an elevated position where the enemy can't just readily and easily assault your position. And you've got a place to hide behind. It's the name of Jesus. It's a strong tower. You can run in it and be safe. The righteous run into it. The righteous run into it. This is what I want you to see. Yeah, let's, let's, just, let's just stay on this for just a second because I really want you to understand the end game of where we're going to get you out of a self-consciousness and a sin consciousness into a righteousness consciousness. We've got to do that or your faith and your confession will be forever challenged and weakened. The source of any bold confession in God is a revelation of righteousness. It deals with shame, inadequacy, inferiority, and guilt. It's the awareness that I'm fully persuaded that I stand before God justified just as if I'd never sinned. That all of those old things are washed away and that my past has nothing to do with what I'm going to do now. And that even if I have a past, no devil nor any person can hold me in it. They can't hold me in it any more than hell could hold Jesus. That's what I love about Acts chapter 2 verse 24. It's huge. There's some pain in our past many times. And it's self-inflicted. Are you listening to me? And yet, here it says... Jesus, whom God raised up. Say raised up. Raised Say this is the year, this is the year of, the of the great lifting up. We're talking about resurrection power. We're talking about ascension. We're talking about being raised up out of the pit. Yeah. Glory, be Glory be to God. Now this is the basis of what we're talking about in Psalm 113, verse 7 and 8. So let's just retrace this. Let's go to Psalm 113, 7 and 8 and look at it. Look what God has promised us here. Because this is huge. Because when you see the word pit... You need to understand this is a prophetic reference to the grave, to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus going to hell. You know, you know, I take for granted sometimes these scriptures just start rolling as I'm preaching. And I take for granted sometimes people know the word, and, and I know that they often don't. 2 Corinthians 8, 9 says, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus. How that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, that you through his poverty might be made rich. When did he become poor? When he went down in the pit. Come on now. And when he was raised up, where did he go? To the palace. To sit at the right hand of God. This is a prophetic reference to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. He raises up the poor out of the dust. Now, you missed a great opportunity to say, that's me. That's me. No, no, no. I said, you missed a great opportunity to say, hey, that's me. That's me. He's talking about me. He's raising me up. I'm going to quit wallowing in this dust, in this dirt. I'm not an old unworthy worm. I'm going to stop that. I'm going to stop looking in the mirror and talking about myself the way I have been talking. I'm lying about myself. The truth is what the blood has done for me. I'm washed. I'm cleansed. I'm sanctified. I'm redeemed. I'm forgiven. I'm blessed. And I can go forward. And he took my pains upon him. My sorrows upon him, which includes the pain of my past. The emotional pain, 
the trauma of self-inflicted wounds, the ridiculousness of decisions I've made. Glory be to God. And he took it and he's raising me up. And he lifteth. Say he lifteth. So you can see raise and lift are synonymous terms here. It's the year of the great lifting up. He lifteth the needy out of the dunghill. You understand what dung is, right? It hit the fan and it got all over you. But he's taking you out of the stink of the mess. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. I'm coming out of my test into a testimony. <laughs> I, I always say, I'm past the test, now bring on the money. <laughs> glory to God. I like the, there's a coming money. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Now look at verse 8. That he may set him. Where was Jesus? He was seated. Do you see this? That he may set him with princes, even with the princes of his people. He is the prince of peace. He's the king of kings. And he's made us kings and priests to our God. A brand new nation. You have to understand that he's the king of kings. That means you're a king. Mm. 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 That means I'm seated with him in heavenly places. He set him down with me. He led captivity captive. And I was raised with him, ascended with him, seated with him. And now in Christ I am seated far above principality, power, might, dominion, and every name that is named. There's not even the smell of dung on the bottom of my shoes. They're far beneath my feet. Glory to God. Glory! Now saying it's my year, my year, my year, my year. Right now it's my year. I'm coming out of that mess. It's my year. I'm coming out of that mess. Woo! Now listen. We are on the veritable verge of a Holy Ghost glory bomb explosion as an epicenter of what He's going to do around the earth. We're harvesting it, okay? I am navigating that in my spirit because I'm not going to go old school and make you sit back down all the time and finish the preaching. But I'm telling you, I know, because I prayed it out, what we've got to get to today. I love this. It may happen three or four times before I'm done preaching. Just have at it. Have yourself a Holy Ghost spizzlerinktum. Have church all by yourself right in front of your seat. I don't care. But we're going to stay at it till we get downloaded in your spirit. Glory to God. What God needs to do today to lift you up. Because let me just tell you something that I'm going to say to you by the spirit. You see this. There can be an eruption, an explosion. But, and everybody may be on the edge of their seat. Some, it's to the boiling point where it manifests physically. <laughs> But there's others that in their spirit, man, they're kind of still sitting back, but they can feel themselves moving. See, you may not be at the boiling point yet, but what God wants is everybody brought to combustion. Do you understand? When you can get that corporate anointing, that's what I want to talk to you about today. I want to talk to you about the church. See, I hadn't even got to my opening scripture in Matthew 16, but we're going to talk about the church. We go, oh, glory to God. We're going to talk about that the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Oh, glory be to God. And you need to know who you are. You are the church. 
of the resurrected Son of the living God. Oh, glory be to God. You need to get a lifting up in who you are. You didn't come to church. You are the church. Woo! You are built on a rock. You're unshakable, immovable, unstoppable. Nothing's impossible. You are the church. Greater is he that's on the inside of you. Blood washed, shield covered, glory filled, grace empowered, blessed coming in, blessed going out. I am the church. Somebody may say, yeah, but you don't really know what I'm going through. Pastor, you ain't never been through what I'm going through. Are you kidding me? It is preaching like I'm preaching, but not to the masses. Preaching like I'm preaching to myself in the mirror every day when my body wanted to keep the blinds closed, when I was flat on my back emotionally, when the money wasn't in the bank and God kept saying, no, I'm going to do it, son. I'm going to do it. When people would disappoint me or betray me, no, I'm still going to do it, son. I don't care what decision they make. I've already made a decision. You and I are a majority. There's blood here between me and you. And if you'll be faithful, I'll do it. And if these people won't do it, I'll bring you people that'll do it. But I'm going to show up and show out. I am the Almighty God. So just get clear about this. I want you to come to church. But it's not you coming to church that keeps me coming to church. Did you hear what I said? Woo! Man, y'all got me all stirred up. I'm glad y'all are shouting because I can't do all I really want to do and preach too. So, woo! Uh, well, let's work our way back through this. I'm never again going to tell folks to sit down. You grown. You can sit down, stand up, do what you want to do. I'm going to keep preaching. There's a lot of times I've stood up, and uh, I stood up because it was in me. The Word stood me up. Something was washing on the inside of me. And it feels uncomfortable sometimes. Because you're like, well, yeah, they're standing, they standing right in front of me. I just don't understand. I can't see them, see through them, see the preacher. Well, stand up. <laughs> or get here early enough to sit on front. Ain't nobody blocking your view but how you're seated. When I listen, I can't count the times if we've been to a parade and didn't get there quite in time to back up the truck and have a good parking spot that I jockeyed through the crowd to move little ones through the crowd to get to a place where I could see. Yeah. So I'm just telling you, if you can't see yourself, here's the whole point. If it has to happen in the natural like that and you can't see, move. Amen. You're in the wrong place. Stop letting people block your ability to see the parade of Jesus' triumph. I mean, I'm in a parade of a triumph, a triumphal procession of trophy after trophy of leading around a display in three worlds that the tomb is empty and Jesus is Lord and every demon is defeated and nothing is impossible. And anytime something gets between me and that, I move so I can see the parade. 
Glory to God. I was a young baby preacher. And I'll never forget what God told me about an eclipse. And I'll, I'll never forget it. He said, son, you know what an eclipse is, don't you? I said, uh, well, yes, sir. I, I know what it is in science. I mean, in layman's terms. I mean, I get the fact that something happens when there's like a lunar eclipse. You realize what happens. This is the way he talked to me. It's very clear. You'll get it when I say it. It's when the earth comes between the sun and the moon. If you can't see the light, there's something between you and the light. Oh, come on now. Do you understand what's going on here? There was a great man who's now in heaven. Both of them actually are now in heaven. A great man who was family, had a great ministry in his own right, but family to a, another man who was world-renowned. And I had uh, several services with him and so forth throughout the years, ministered with him, and also had occasion to eat with him and talk with him. And he talked about, Lord, he's a young preacher. He said, I just don't know how I'm ever going to do. I mean, the... the he casts, this ministry I'm serving, this ministry casts such a big shadow. How am I ever going to get out of this shadow and do what I'm supposed to do? And the Lord said to him, son, the easiest way to get out of the shadows is walk in the light. Did you hear what I said? It's time for some of you to come out of the shadows. It's time for some of you to start walking in the light. And quit being unwise, which is comparing yourself with others. And realize that Jesus died for you too. And when he took those stripes, it was for you. When he carried that pain, it was for you. When he became poor, it was so you could be lifted up out of your mess. Quit patting yourself on the back and licking your sores and stand up for a change. And become the man or woman God has created. Stop being bitter and start getting better. God has a plan. Oh, glory to God. God has a plan. Glory to God. Glory to God. Now, I remember the Lord talking to me about that. And he talked to me about the greater light rules the day. That's the kingdom of light. The lesser light rules the night. And we're the moon. We don't have light of ourselves, but we take the light from the sun and reflect it back into a dark world. That's who we are. Yeah. And the problem is when we lose our influence in the darkness of this world, it's because the world's become between us and the light. You got to be in between. Do you understand what I'm saying? You can't let the earth get in between you and the light source. Glory to God. Some of these things are a matter of position, they're a matter of perspective. You know, just two stories I'll tell you real quick that I think you'll find interesting. One of them I think is really funny. You know, it's. Uh, a couple of guys were in real trouble. It's like he lifts the poor out of the, you know, people that really are desperate will look at all kind of ways. You know, they'll knock on doors, kind of rake your leaves, <laughs> you know. Well, it turns out there were so many wolves that... It's a wolves, right? So they go out there and they're going to they're hunt these wolves. And so they get out there because they realize this is going to get me out of a hole. So they get out there the first night and they camp and they're in the wilderness and for daylight... Uh, one of them gets awakened by some noise, and there's a bunch of rustling in the leaves, and then this, and lifts up and looks like this. They're surrounded by 50 wolves. 
He said, he punched him real quiet like. He said, jump, jump, jump. What, what is it? Jump. What is it? He said, get up, get up. We're rich, man. We're rich. Jesus never promised you you wouldn't be surrounded by 50 wolves, but the battle's already been won. You're rich, man. You're rich. This is going to turn out real good. Glory to God. But you know, the church is like a guy that's a, like a professional bodybuilder, right? So he's going to the gym, and he spent 20 years perfecting his craft, and he eats right, and he does all the things that he needs to do, and he's mastered the poses and got the trophies and the veins bulge, and he knows how to oil his skin. So they go on this tour to try to get people come out, you know, and they're doing this, this tour. Well, they, they, they get in Africa start doing a tour, and they, they are some, some, some country where there's, you know, folks that live in the jungle that really don't live in the major metropolis. And uh, they, they came out and they talked, they talked to him and, and that whole village came out to see him. So he puts on this display. He's got these muscles, man. He's just, you know, and he's posing. And I mean, it's quite an impressive thing. He's a professional bodybuilder. And so the chief, the chief comes up to them when it was all said and done. And he says, uh, I've never seen so many muscles on a man. And he said, uh, what else do you do with those muscles? <laughs> he said, uh, uh, well, this is what I do. I mean, I'm a professional bodybuilder. It's what I do. And the chief said, what a See, that's the church. We are muscle bound in the spirit. And all we're doing is posing. What a waste. When are you going to decide to start using those muscles? For something that really counts. Am I helping anybody to do this? Well, all of that starts in that thinking realm. So let's go kind of back through the let's go kind of back through it real quick here, where we can see what we're talking about, because he's saying that he raises he raises the poor out of the dust, right? He lifts the needy out of the dunghill, that he may set it with princes, even the princes of his people. We're talking about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what happened when he was raised. So when you look at Acts two twenty four, it says God raised him up. Aren't you glad? And I want to show you something about Jesus. Were you in Christ? Yes. On the cross, were you there? Did you, were you crucified with him? <clears throat> were you buried with him? Yes, I was. Were you raised with him? Yes, I was. Were you seated with him? Yes, I was. Well, whom God hath raised up, yes. having loosed the pains of death, yes. because it was not possible that he should be holding of it. I'm telling you, it is not possible. If the devil couldn't hold him, the devil cannot hold you. It's time for you to get free from the pain of your past and understand that God's raising you up out of those circumstances, even if you did it to yourself. 
You know, a lot of folks don't really like the fact that things have to be brought to the light to be dealt with. Amen? That's the uncomfortable part. Often filled with a lot of pain. But it's impossible for you to be held in that pain. It really doesn't matter what the truth is. Oh, it may matter to your emotions. It may matter to your mind. And you may say, I need closure. I got to get past it and all that. But the truth is, the closure came in Luke 4. You said, what, 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 Luke 4? The closure came in Luke 4. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Jesus opened the scroll of Isaiah, found the place where it was written, and said, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. He hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, recovery of sight to the blind, to preach deliverance to the captives, to loose and set at liberty them that are bound, and to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. Woo! It's the year where God's favors profusely abound. It's your season of jubilee. It's your right now time. The anointing is your jubilee. The anointing breaks every yoke, and if the anointing's here, it'll break anything, anytime, anywhere. So look at the next verse. Don't take it off the screen. The next verse says, and he closed the book. So I want you to know the book has been closed on your past. And the jubilee is here for your future. That's all the closure you really need. And most people in church are kind of like these people in the synagogue. Oh, I never heard anything like that. He sat down, you see. He sat down, you see. He did that on purpose. He did that on purpose to demonstrate that when he sat down on high and he had the keys and he stripped the devil and he took care of your sin and he took care of your past, the book got closed on your past, you died, and there's a new you in this place. You are not that person. Now, we got one or two ways to react. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fastened on him. I pray your eyes get fastened on him today. What's he going to do next? This day, this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. But then they looked around and got back into reason. He couldn't do any miracles there because of their unbelief. Well, 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 I never heard anything like this. I mean, you, you mean... See, it, it was, see, that thinking was too wonderful for them. Their mind was wrapped around. God can't be like this. He can't just be like, bam, the books are balanced, you're free, now get about what you were called to do. But the truth is, yes, he is, he's exactly like this. His mercy is far beyond anything we can imagine. He's cast our sin as far as the east is from the west. There's going to be mercy miracles. All those that come to me, I'll in no wise cast out. I want to uh, turn the corner here for just a few minutes. I've got a very definite goal in mind because the Holy Spirit's been at it all morning already. 
Thank you for staying with me for a few minutes here. Go to Matthew 16. <clears throat> and it says in verse 13, when Jesus came to the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? And they said, some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Mm-mm-mm. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona. Flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee. And he goes on to say, Flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Now pay close attention here because we're going to see in the same meeting minutes apart. It's like somebody opens a curtain. Whoop, whoop and they see something about their self, but that curtain closes as fast as it was open, and they immediately revert back to the way they viewed themselves before. And this is a stunning picture of exactly that. People getting, you know, I just shared, I've got some workers around our house and so forth, and God just did some wonderful things for a couple of days as I was, just spent some time ministering to them, and uh, took them some books and some other things. Um, the healing power of God started in this individual's life. There's a whole story behind it. But uh, I told him the story about the lady that came up that was totally blind in our meeting. And where this happened in a number of times, you've heard the story, but it seems to bear repeating right now. Because you may not be physically blind, but this happens all the time. In service, after service, after service. The creative miracle working power of God was in the room. Working of miracles was in the room. And there's so many things that happened that night. That was the night, the very same night I got so lost in the spirit. They had to carry me out of the meeting. They sat me in the recliner in the pastor's parsonage. And I'd open my mouth, try to talk to them. They wanted to get me something to drink or eat. I was so out there in the spirit that I opened my mouth, talk English, and other tongues would come out. It lasted about two hours. Finally, I'd say a word in English, and then it'd be tongues. And then it just little by little, I came back. This woman was stuck to the floor for 30, 45 minutes. She was blind. God instantly opened her eyes by a mighty power of the glory of God. And she laid there. And it was one of those ceilings where the pitch had the wooden slats in the ceiling. And she counted. And I still remember. Uh, there were 38 boards. She laid there. I mean, from the corner. Some of y'all are counters, you know. But, but she laid there on the floor, stuck to the floor, could not move, frozen in the spirit. And the only thing that moved her eyes, when I walked over there and started talking to her, she, 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 she could see me. And if I walked around, by, she, she just followed me with her eyes, couldn't even move her head. She was just stuck to the floor. And her eyes were going up and down. So she laid there while I finished preaching, ministering to others. And she counted the boards, 38 boards to the middle beam and the arch ceiling from the corner up. So she counted them. She got up. Well, when she finally could come to herself, she's still out. It's kind of in the spirit. So they're leading her around, and she really doesn't know where she is. And So I asked her the color of my tie from across the room. She answered that. How many fingers do I have? Answered all of that. And so uh, I'm, I'm packing up the books and tapes at the end of the service after a lot of miracles and so forth. Um, and uh, or I was back by the table. I actually was in no condition to kind of pack them up, as you've already heard. Somebody was down there in that meeting helping me, but. Anyway, 
they brought somebody, and I, hear, I feel this tug, and I turn around, and I said, Brother Tracy, um, would you pray for her? so-and-so? And I turn around, it was her, the lady that had been stuck to the floor 45 minutes, totally blind. I said, will you pray for her? I said, well, well, yeah, what for? I said, she's lost her healing. I mean, before she ever got out of the building. I know, I, I, I know some folks in here have never heard this. Folks online have never heard it. Some of you are hearing it again after a long stint of absence from it. And I said, oh. I mean, I'm talking about dramatic in front of hundreds of people getting up back of the, I mean, this is a display of God's just wonder working power. Hundreds of people saw it. This is not like something I can make up. And she said, uh, I said, well, ma'am, I said, yes, God's presence is on me. I said, but that miracle working power that was working with me so we can get it done by faith, and I'll pray for you. But before I pray for you, because my idea was, I got to know if it's going to do any good. You know, I got, where is she? I mean, inside herself. So before I pray for you, I said, uh, what happened? She said, after all that festivities were said and done, she's going back to her seat once she got off the floor. And she's, she said, on the way back to my seat, I had this thought. Are you hearing me? Yeah. I had this thought. Uh -huh. Now that I'm healed, what am I going to do about my disability check? And she said, the moment I had that thought, my eyes went dark. She lost her healing just like that. Over a thought that wasn't her thought. It came from a demon, the demon that blinded her to begin with. So he blinded her in the thought life, obviously. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? Now you say, well, I just don't understand how, how, how could she look? Because she's responsible by faith to deal with that. You could have that thought and keep your healing if you said, oh, no, and rejected it. But it's obvious to me she didn't reject it. She began to ponder, now, how's this going to look? How am I going to, I'm going to have to work for a living. I'm gonna, see, she entertained it, and it went whoop, and just like a door closed. And the enemy works in this arena. And we have to know he works in this arena because our warfare, though we war, this is 2 Corinthians 10, 3, 4, and 5, Though we war in the flesh, meaning we're in the natural world in the physical body, but our warfare is not after the flesh. The weapons of God are mighty, not carnal, not physical. I have weapons that are not physical. I have to live a physical life with weapons that are unseen. Oh, come on now. That are not physical. Which means I can't sit you down and reason with you and you see my point of view. Right. Which is why so much counseling doesn't work. Because if you're being honest with yourself, you're trying to convince them. And we're not dealing with something physical. And because it's a demon, we're not dealing with something reasonable. If they were reasonable, it wouldn't happen in the first place. Amen. That's true. That's true. Isn't that right? Yes, sir. It's a decade of deliverance. Yes, it is. And we're going to come up out of some things. Yes, we are. God's going to deal with it.
Even if you reach an impasse, you can find a place of peace and restoration. So you need to understand because Jesus is just that big. Glory be, he's just that big. Hallelujah. Glory to God. He's just that big. And um, so here Peter encounters this. And here's what he says. He's got a revelation now. He sees. Whoop. His eyes get open. Yes, sir. He sees the real. Past who everybody's saying Jesus is. Past trying to figure out how can he do all these miracles. Oh, I've never seen anything like this. I'm trying to figure it out. He got past all that. And suddenly the Holy Ghost showed him. And revelation came. Bam, I know who you are. I see it now. This is how you're doing it. You're the son of the living God. You are the Christ. The anointing of God on his, on his son. You're the Messiah. That's how you're doing it. Jesus said flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you. You didn't get it through your physical senses. No other man told you and convinced you of it in your mind. My Father which is in heaven, this information came from another world to allow you to see how I see things. So Jesus is saying, "Woo, glory to God. At least one of my boys sees something. I mean, he's been towing the boat here. He's been stopping the storm because... They get in a storm, get afraid. We're going to die and have to wake him up. Come on now. Yes, sir. Said, whew, thank God. Whew, hey, the ministry is working. Yes, sir. He's telling him, something's been transferred to you, Peter. You are Peter. Well, he, had, he, he said, the prophecy's coming to pass. What prophecy? The one where he says, you're Simon now, but you will be Cephas, which is a rock or a stone or Peter, a rock. And Simon means reed, blown about. And so Peter's character changed when revelation came to him. He began to be not blown from pillar to post. He began to get solid and stable. His revelation knowledge will do that. And the reason he said that is that revelation knowledge is what the church is built on. And he said, thou art Peter and upon this rock, not you Peter, the revelation. I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I say also unto thee that I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of the heavens. I don't have time to preach all through this, but you need to see. Therefore, because your life is stable, from that fixed, stable position, you have the authority to affect anything that assaults that position. You can bind what's trying to bind you, and you can loose the purposes of why I've created you, and I've given you authority from heaven itself to carry it out in the earth. Do you see this? And then he gets down. Now, I'm going to explain to you why binding and loosing doesn't work for most Christians. Because they're trying to do it. And what they miss is, <clears throat> the Amplified Classic says it this way, you shall bind on earth what has already been bound in the heavens. You loose on earth what has already been loosed in the heavens. I look into heaven and see what's born of heaven. If heaven has healed me, then I have the authority to heal it in the earth. Yeah. You see, too many people are missing the point. This is the thought life issue that I'm going to point out to you and Peter. They're missing the point. They feel like, well, i got delegated power. i got to do it. No, it's born in heaven. You're operating in an otherworldly force that you couldn't earn, you don't deserve, you couldn't be it in a thousand lifetimes. It was a gift to you, and you're going to have to get outside of yourself thinking you've got to do it. 
This is done with unseen otherworldly weapons. And one of them is faith. Glory be to God. And God's dealt it to every person in this room. But until you use it, it won't work. you got to use it. Glory be to God. And faith begins where the will of God is known. And the word of God brings faith. So there's no such thing as using faith apart from what God wants to happen. Our faith only has authority in the parameters to which God speaks. Because it's delegated. If he didn't say it, I don't care. You can confess it a million times it ain't coming to pass. This has got to be born of God. Let me show you that relationship in 1 John 5, 4. Whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. You have to understand that our faith, is not only is our faith born of God, not only is living by faith born of God, but what he's saying is our faith will work when we get a revelation of what's born of God. In other words, if God said it, I can say it and it'll come to pass just like if God said it. But I've got to get to the place to where I'm not fighting with God, reasoning it away, and well, I couldn't steal a storm. Are you kidding me? If God gave you authority over it, He expects you to do it. But you're going to have to get a revelation of the righteousness of God. You can't have all that loose, unworthy guilt rattling around in the pain of your past. It's going to contaminate your faith every time. Which is why you've got to get a revelation that you're the righteousness of God in Christ. And this is why Jesus went further in this relationship with Peter when he got a little revelation. He's saying, "Woo! the door's open. There's a little light. Let's take advantage of this. So if we go back to this, we see in verse 20 of Matthew 16, 20, notice what happens. So huge. He's already told him he's got the keys. But now he says, well, I'm going to tell you something a little further here. Then Peter took him. After Jesus said something in verse 20, he charged his disciples they should tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ. Yes, sir, I'll tell them that. God doesn't seem to be in a hurry this morning. I know some of you might be, but he's telling me no. We're in the flow here. A lot of people wonder, I just don't understand why God told some people, go tell your miracle. And other people, don't tell anybody. And Peter here, he got a revelation. And I thought we were supposed to shout it from the housetop, go into all the world, preach the gospel, but he got a revelation. He said, don't tell anybody. Because let me just tell you something. First thing people do when they get a little something from God, it's in seed form, is go start blabbing it and talking to folk. Now you say, well, why don't tell anybody? Because Jesus knew. If you talk to men about this, while your roots are shallow, it'll be taken away from you. The the sower sows the word, and immediately Satan comes and takes away the seed. It happens in the same. We're about to see here, Peter didn't even have to talk to other men about it. He never even got the chance to talk to somebody about it. He began to lose it within minutes in the same church service. Can I show you something here? This is really huge. Lord, help me. I believe I know where it is. So uh, he's leading me here. This is something that, uh, glory to God. Help me, Lord, find that verse. You know what? I'll just come back to that some other time. I just, I know it's him, but. If I can't go right to it, I'm going to lose the flow here. Notice what it says here. Don't tell anybody. 
that, that I am the Christ. Well, first of all, 11 of them weren't in position to tell anybody because they weren't convinced. So now they're going to enter further discussion about with the people that think he's Jeremiah incarnated. I mean, it's, it's not only, it's not going to keep them in neutral, it's going to hinder them. Yeah. And that's what's wrong with most folk. Yeah. Yes, all these voices, yeah. all these videos, all of these people, you better find out who you're connected to and separate the voices out in your life. <clears throat> so he said, from that time forth, Jesus began to show unto his disciples how he must go into Jerusalem, suffer many things of the elders, chief priests and the scribes, and be killed and raised again the third day. Then Peter took him. I mean, this is stunning to me. The audacity of Peter just getting the revelation. This is the Messiah. We, we have this in context to show us Peter just got the revelation. This is the Messiah. And there's still something inside of him that wants to grab the Messiah and tell him he's wrong. Are you seeing the audacity of this demon? Yes, sir. That's why he don't want you to talk to folk. He grabbed Jesus and said, Oh, be it far from you, Lord. This can't be. You can't suffer. So he had this skewed view that if you're really anointed and really sinless, you don't suffer. We'll try that one out on Adam and Eve who were perfect and the tempter still came. You don't have to be sin-filled to be tempted. Oh, come on, let me try that over here. That's where you've got to understand the righteousness and how to answer those thoughts. Because he comes in that arena because he's filthy. And he wants you to think his thought because he wants to make you feel filthy. But you're blood washed. You're not filthy. That thought came from out here. You're cleansed. You're righteous. Resist that thing. Know where it's coming from. Glory to God. Do you see this? Don't let it dilly-dally and rattle around in your brain. Stop trying to figure it out, reason it out. Now you're playing his game, and he's got 6,000 years head start on you. Amen. That's true. You're not going to out-reason him. I'm telling you that right now. And so he says, be it far from you. The little Greek is pity yourself, Lord. So now Peter's having a pity party because he's got the keys. And the one that gave him the keys, who's the king of the kingdom, is going to die. And what's going to happen to me? So what I want you to see is, here's where Peter lost it. And he lost it in the thought realm because it says Jesus turned. Verse 23, you see this? Turned his back on him and said to Peter. Now, now this is not abstract. This is very clear. You need to hang on every word. Said to who? Who's he talking to? Peter. Say that three times. Peter, Peter, Peter. So he's talking to Peter. Get thee behind me, Satan. He wasn't even talking to the devil behind Peter. He was talking to Peter. Now I'm going to tell you, there are, 
This is what people miss all the time. They think it's innocent. They think it's a joke. They think it's ha-ha funny. They think it's, well, I can say this. No, you don't have the right to say that because you don't know what's led that person to that moment. In the same way that you can be led by the Spirit, you can be led by familiar spirits. That's why you don't need to be popping off the mouth all the time because you can say something and somebody sit there and smile, but the way you said it about something that you don't even know has been done, you have no frame of reference, can cut somebody like a dagger, and it's innocent to you. What did I do? How did I offend them? And the devil's a master at it. A master. That's what's going on here. Peter thought this was his own thoughts. And that he actually had a right from his position of what he thought was right to stand immediately in the path of God's perfect will. And it started in the thought realm. And we're going to see it. He said, get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God. Say the word savor means think. You don't think like God thinks. You don't think the thoughts of God. You think like men think. You think like men think. And here's the big problem. You think they're your thoughts and that you're okay thinking that way and it's a demon. That's the realm he's operating in. To do what? To take the curtain that went whoop and go whoop. And before you get out of the meeting, your blindness was healed. And you lose it before you ever get to the door. He comes immediately to take away the word. You see it in people. They can't last a church service and pay attention through a whole message because they're too familiar with TikTok. If you can't tell me in 10 seconds, ha, 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 ha. And eternal things can't be communicated in 10 seconds. Especially to people whose mind's full of mud. Now, not every service is supposed to be like this. Most in the room here, we're the church. So God has purposes for gatherings. But I'm supposed to mature you into all God's called you to be. You came to church on purpose. Yes, you made an investment in seed form because you're going to go out of here otherworldly changed by an anointing that moved in the assembly that reworked your world and put it based on things that have been hounding you for 20 years. Yeah, yes. Woo, glory be to God. Glory to God. And, and I'm just going to tell you, Jesus is like that. Woo, we got a little light. Let's go a little further. Let's test the waters. Let's just see how elastic they really are because I have so much more for them than they're willing to even listen to. And you can always tell in any crowd. That's why I'm so thrilled today. Because today, under this anointing, it's unusual, but we've turned the corner in the Spirit. I can see it. I can see it. I know it. We've turned the corner in the Spirit because you're not stonewalling me. You're pulling. And so it won't be a bunch of fear and doubt and unbelief about your reputation where you come and invite somebody to church and say, now, but you've got to be prepared. It's not like your church. You just killed your invitation. Because you already, because the way you said that, it's really not about me or the church or God or whether or not it's God's will. 
It's your reputation. You don't want them looking at you different because they're going to think you're weird because they came to this church. It's not like anything they've ever been to. Well, then do me a favor. Don't invite them. Because until you really believe that this is their answer and you're really all in, you're actually not helping the church. You're keeping folks away from it. Your own fear is stopping them from coming. And you start saying, listen, let me just tell you, if you just get there, God will work a miracle in your life. You need it. You know you've been in this way. You just, you just get there. I'm telling you, in fact, I'll come by and pick you up. we got to go. You've got to be in that place. There's an anointing there that will change your world. And when you have that kind of attitude, people will start following you to church. But not if you start talking to them about the length of service. And now, I know you don't like churches talking about money, but, I mean, this is a prosperity church, you know. I mean, Listen, I'm going to probably hurt your feelings right here, but I'm not doing it on purpose. I'm not trying to. That thinking and that conversation, not only is it not holy, not only is it not okay, it is demonic. It's designed by demons in a religious thought process to get you to feel like you're okay because you're talking about God things, but doing it full of fear, full of limits, full of self reputation, full of catching what you say because you want them to think right about you. Same thing that Jesus addressed in Peter. This church is going to explode. But it's going to explode from people that are all in. Glory to God. Glory to God. Somebody say, I'm the church. Now, the Lord told me to do something here today, and I'm going to finish with it, and I'm, I'm very close to doing so. I saw it in the Spirit. Glory to God. We're the church. And the church is, oh, I sense the anointing so strong. It's just like a, woo, woo. Your life, if you'll participate, will be rocked. If you'll just let the Holy Spirit play this out here for a few minutes. Church is built on a rock. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Amen. The Lord said to me, I want you to talk to them for a few minutes toward the end of the message, however I lead you, about the church. He said, I want you to talk to them about the, get, get, get their thinking up to see the big picture. And here's what I want you to see. This is what happened to Peter. Jesus showed him <clears throat> the kingdom. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. I say unto thee, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I'll build my church. And he, and he transferred him keys. Within minutes, Peter boiled it down to, How's this going to affect me? And that means he's exactly opposite, completely in the way of blocking God's system. I want to show you how God's system works. So he can get you lifted up to see the big picture. Your supply doesn't start flowing. Let me try that over here. Jesus prayed that way. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Give us this day our daily. When God's will, when you're fully immersed into getting God's will done, your daily bread's included. Everything you need, you don't even have to deal with. But you're going to have to get this adjusted. And the first place you get it adjusted is in your thought life. Yeah. 
about church, about what needs to go on at church, because you think you actually know what church ought to be. That's your biggest problem. And here's the thing, you're the church. The Lord said to me, I want to do a major, major miracle today. And he said, you know how Jesus healed them all? There's an anointing here that's going to begin to go like a canopy. If you can hear, have ears to hear. He said to me, yes, you're the church. Donna's the church. Sean's the church. I could go down the list. Certainly. But the bottom line is we're members of one body. We're just part. We are the church. We are the assembly. Are you listening to me? And he said to me, part of the problem why people are struggling so much is they're all living individual lives with individual faith projects and attempting to resist the devil individually. And he said, I want you to bring them up to a higher plane of thought. And I knew exactly what he was saying when he said it. And this is the plane of thought that I want to address here in the last handful of minutes. I want to go to Ephesians, where we were, where we have been the last couple of weeks, dealing with, dealing with the shield of faith. All right? But understand, you do have a personal shield with things that concern you. But we, the church, have a shield. The, I'm a little ahead of myself, but what I want to show you is Ephesians 6, he was talking to the church, the assembly at Ephesus. Those ye, you put on the breastplate, you put on the helmet, was a plural ye. Meaning as a church, you have been given armor. As a church, you have been given a shield. If you will rise up as the church, the weapons of hell will not prevail against any one of you in particular because you can create a canopy, a covering, an awesome authority, and a power to bind that mess trafficking through the members of the church. And that's the problem. Is we have had all this information, revelation, prophetically about the kingdom and the church, and whoo, that's mine, that's mine. I'm going to take that. I'm going to take all those seven harvests. Hallelujah, that's mine. And the problem is, God's wanting to talk kingdom, and instantly we boil it down through our little mental funnel into how's this going to affect me. Instantaneously, I could say to you what Jesus said to Peter. Get thee behind me, Satan. I'm not here to preach about how it concerns you. Now the Lord said to me, tell them this phrase, just clearly. He said, give them this phrase. Faith is given to them. First and foremost, to get the will of God done, not to coerce circumstances for their comfort. Did you hear what I said? Holy Ghost said to me to tell you directly, the highest order and why He gave you faith is to get the will of God done, not to coerce your personal circumstances to, to be conformed to your personal comfort. 
And when you get a revelation of who he is, you'll jump all in. Because when you really get a revelation of what God wants and who he is and why he died and he died for you, if you'd been the only one, he would have died for you. Then your personal blessing, prosperity, healing, harmony, family, forgiveness, overcoming pain, overcoming obstacles, all of that, every bit of that, you don't even have to take it one by one and check it off on a drawing board like, God, now I'm believing for this. Now you got to come through on this one. And when I get this one done and I get that money, well, then I'll do this like you said. See, we are checking off little old bitty boxes living in this little old bitty world when the bottom line is absolutely far away and beyond anything you can ask or imagine. God's trying to transfer the world into your possession, but he can't do it if you're going to make it about you. But he will blow your borders to smithereens if you'll get all in with the will of God. He will just, do you get what's going on here? Do you understand? Our thinking has to change for God to give us a worldwide thing he's promised. But if it will, if we'll just let him, if we'll just be willing to be willing, you, you got to do it overnight. But if you'll just let him, he'll get in you and just start going, Ugh. And your heart will grow, and your mind will grow, and your faith will grow, and your money will grow, and your life will grow, and your thoughts will grow. You'll morph, you'll change. You literally will undergo a transfiguration, and it'll be so supernatural, you'll look back and say, It sure didn't look like it. Woo! But that thing turned and it became my summer of fulfillment. He talked to me about baptism. Yes, that's okay. Obey God. See, that's as much an act of the Holy Ghost as screaming, shouting, and running. There's an attachment now. We've got to determine, how am I going to respond to this? Am I going to approach God to this? Am I going to engage with this? And what you have to understand here is he talked to me about baptism. You know what baptism is, don't you? It is immersion in water. And you're completely under. You're totally immersed. It's in you. It's over you. It's under you. It's around you. That means all of you goes into it. I said that means all of you goes into it. And he said, my problem with my people is they think so much about themselves that there's never even the thought. I mean, he told me this. Today, I was praying for even this church. He said, there's never even the thought. When When you use the word baptism, they think, well, yeah, I was baptized. Meaning, all about me, personal individual, I went under the water in the name of Jesus and I gave my witness. He said, there's never even the thought that the first baptism is when you get born again, doesn't include water. That he baptized you into the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. First Corinthians 12 is very clear that the body is many members and that when you were baptized, you were baptized into Christ. And this is what, we need to see this as demonic. We need to see the COVID thing, the mass thing, the separation thing, the non-assembling thing for what it is. Jesus said, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. Why? Because baptism wasn't just for your sins to be forgiven and go to heaven. The very first baptism before water was even involved, God, His highest will was to immerse you in the church. And there's no way... If His will was to immerse you in the church, that His Spirit will lead you away from assembling with the church. It is absolutely impossible. 
Instead of picking and choosing like a spiritual buffet, running the YouTube to the prophecy of the day, you need to get clear that if you're going to have the life that God has promised you and the fullness of the blessing that God has promised you, you have to abide in the vine. You're going to have proper con connections. You've got to decide that wh who you belong to and where you're connected because people aren't looking for a pastor. They're looking for a voice. Amen. They're looking for an anointing. Yes. They're looking for a grace and a covering. Yes. God doesn't join people to buildings or services or programs. It joins people to an anointing, to a man, to a call, to a vision. And He literally wants to immerse them with their grace and their thinking and their prayer and their faith and their life. And the day they do that, the day they really connect and stay connected, the very life of the vision itself will produce corporate fruit on their individual branch. You want to know why we've struggled so hard to establish this one branch? It's because we are a group of a bunch of individuals. And the day God's people get a revelation, it's not about what the church can do for me. This is about the fact that God immersed me into the church. And when I get fully immersed in the church, my life will be built on a rock and the gates of hell will never prevail against me. You're bigger. This is bigger than you by yourself. I said, this is bigger than you by yourself. Glory to God, this is bigger than you by yourself. Hallelujah. And it's what I said. And that's why I said what I said. I, wasn't, I didn't mean it to be offensive. I want you to come to church. The church is going to be huge. It's now at the point of explosion. But you need to understand that I don't come to church because you came to church. I'm glad you came to church, but it's not why I came to church. <laughs> I'm all in. I'm immersed into the church. I'm all in. My life is laid down, blood bought, blood taught, for the, uh, and I'm his for the spending to the planet to tell them the tomb is empty. Jesus is Lord. Where you lead me, I will follow you. What you feed me, I will swallow. I'll go where you tell me to go. I'll woe when you say woe. But I died. I'm all yours. I'm all in. I'm a part of the church. Go ahead and stand on your feet. I want to, I'll, I'll read the scriptures to you and you'll get it. It's fine. Just go ahead. Here's the bottom line. There's going to begin to be some changes. Yes, sir. Do not be alarmed. There's great five-fold ministry gifts that are going to make sudden changes. They're going to move a lot of things. But a lot of it is they're just going to not necessarily do the administration they've been doing for many years. He's going to reposition them. You're going to see them relocate. You're going to see them submit and attach. You're going to see people merge. There's going to be churches, you mark my words, that have, for whatever reason, always supposed to have been taking over a city. And not really working together. You're about to see the church become the church. You're about to see cities transformed. You're about to see lives changed. Glory be to God. Because people are going to quit being about their self. Now I want to read this to you. It's in Exodus 1. Glory be to God. Be. Oh, there's so much more I wanted to say, and I've said plenty. But if we get this done, 
the anointing of God is vibrating right now. I'll be pleased. I believe heaven will be pleased. Listen to what it says in Ephesians 1, the first three verses. I just want you to see it. And then I'm going to go to deal with the armor real quick. And then what we're going to do, and I'm expecting you to participate. You'll find a place. This is too small for everyone to gather here. So we're going to have to prefer one another. But I'm already telling you right now, we're the body. So don't be timid. Don't be timid about touching people, blessing them, reaching through. Because we've got some communion up here. And the Lord said, I want, I want communion available. And I want the whole church coming and getting it and, and getting before me and taking communion and settling these issues in their heart at the altar today. And he said, I'm going to do a corporate work in this church. And the people that have been attacked individually and families that have been distraught and all kind of things. He said, I'm going to begin the process of wholesale miracle healing, miracle restoration, miracle cleansing, financial breakthrough. I'm about to, I'm, I'm bringing the church together. He said, I'm going to command my life where the blessing of unity is. It's going to come off the head and it's going to go down the, the garments. It's going to go to the foot. And I'm telling you, the bottom line is it doesn't matter who's right. It matters what's right. And if you will get in line with this, God will work an absolute miracle. This is your moment not to come to a preacher, not to make a healing line, not to get Pentecostal hands on a Pentecostal head. Jesus, the head of the church, is in the church walking the aisles. He's going through that camera and he's wanting you to get immersed under a shield that will quench every fiery dart of the wicked one. And settle the issue forever. Instead of you holding up your spear and your sword, nah, it's time to come together. It's time to link shields. It's time to have a corporate faith. Look at Ephesians 1, 1 through 3. I just want to make this point to you. I believe it will bless you. I really do. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God to the saints. Say it, to the saints. Which are at Ephesus. To the saints. Which are at Ephesus. This was written to the church, the whole church, to every member of that collective assembly. So when you read it, you begin to read things he tells them to do and every instruction. For example, let him that stole steal no more, but let him work with his hands that he may have to give to him that needs. That wasn't written to the thieves. That was written to the church. Because I'm just going to tell you right now, you may not take anything from anybody else, but if you're attached here and you have a supply and a grace and your presence and your faith means something and you're engaged and you just kind of take it or leave it, every time you're not in your seat yes, sir. with, a, with a, uh, a Holy Ghost letting you not be, yes, sir. it's different when the Holy Ghost does it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. But you have to understand you may not realize it, but you're adding something. You might not have said a word today, but your faith, if you can see it in the spirit realm, something's coming out of you. There's something about this corporate faith. There's something about the assembly. Jesus loves it so much because where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am. He can do things here you can't get on your couch. Amen. And you may not have said a thing. You may feel like, well, I really didn't do anything. That's because your identity's in doing not being, not being where you're supposed to be in the will of God. Understand that if you're not where you're supposed to be, 
you are indeed stealing from the assembly. So understand what God is saying to you. Let him that stole steal no more. But let him work. Be about himself on his own time. And when the assembly comes, let him bring himself, his faith, his grace, her anointing to the assembly. Oh, thank you for your enthusiasm. But I, I, I'm convinced if you'll let it, whoop, whoop, curtain's opening up. Now, I want to read this to you, Ephesians 5. So, by the end of the book, because we don't have time to read the whole book, but by the end of the book, we're seeing him say something here. Are you listening to me? Yes, sir. And I want to start in verse 23. Verse 5, chapter 5, verse 23. The husband's the head of the wife, even as Christ is head of the church. Head of the what? And he's the Savior of the body. What are we talking about here? Jesus' relationship to the church. Yes, it is. Can you see that? Yes, sir. All right, let's read on. Just, just scroll through it real quickly here. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, that wives be to their own husbands and everything, husbands, love your wives, even, look, as Christ loved the church. Yes, sir. And gave himself for it. Next verse that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot. I can already see you're going where you've read these verses. You're going where you think they speak. I can see our thinking's got to be changed. He is saying a wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Yes, sir. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loves himself. No man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nurses and cherishes it as the Lord the church. Yes, we are members of his body, his flesh, and his bones. Yes, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother. They too shall be joined to his wife. They too shall be one flesh. Yes, this is a great mystery, but I speak yes, concerning Christ and the church. Yes. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular. Do you see that? Yes, He's talking to the church. And he is saying, everything I am saying applies to every one of you in particular. Yes, sir. Well, what would that be? He's not finished talking. How about chapter 6, verse 1? Let's go to the next chapter, please. Look at this. He's not finished talking. He's talking to the church. I know it's taking a minute. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. When kids start acting a fool, mm -hmm. it affects the whole family. It sure does. And by definition, it creates trauma in the church. It does. Yes, it does. They're stealing from where that youth group needs to be going, or they're stealing from where that young adult group needs to be going, or they're stealing from where the children's church needs to be going, or they're stealing from the assembly. Because now we've got to come off the wall from doing the will of God to deal with this disobedient crisis because you were all about you and not the church. So he's saying, if you'll just do what I say, the way I say it in the assembly, there's a promise. And the promise is, look at verse 3, you'll live long on the earth. It will be well with all of you, every member in particular. If you do it the way I'm telling you to do it and get immersed in my plan for the church and do your part in the assembly, this promise will hold for every member in particular. It will be well with every one of you, and every one of you will live long in the earth. Amen. 
So quit spinning around your little wheel like you're the only person ever going through something and pull away from the church to deal with it when the church is the answer. Stop running from God and start running to it. Look at verse 4. You fathers provoke not your children to wrath. Come on, guys. Quit being so hard on your kids. Why? Because it affects all of this in the church. When you're at odds with each other on the car on the way to church, it affects the whole atmosphere. And Jesus can't do, like Nazareth, he came to do miracles, but he couldn't do it because of the hardness of their heart and unbelief. It's time we get immersed in the church. Now, I'm just talking about, you know, sending your kids to church and hoping for some magic dust. And, well, if I just send them to church, they'll be okay. That's not what I'm talking about. You've got to do right at home. You've got to live this every day of your life. You've got to be a real Christian on Monday and Tuesday and Friday at noon. But if you'll do that, when you come to the assembly, what you can't, God's grace will make up for, and he'll just absolutely override all of that. Glory be to God. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? Glory be to God. Well, you can read the rest on your own time. We don't have time. I just want to drop to verse 10. Now you'll get it. Look at the armor. Say this. The church, the church. Has, armor. has armor. That means I, I as, an individual, as an individual, am covered, am covered by, something, by something from something, from something. Much, larger much larger than myself. I've got a bigger shield than my personal faith can build. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Do you see this? You got folks in there to pick your arms up. You got folks in there to stand with you. Right now this morning, Miss Betty, one of our dear saints, is not here because her son's undergoing some surgery. I called her on the way here. I said, Miss Betty, I understand physically why you're not here. You're exactly where you're supposed to be. But you are not alone. You are a part of a church. Glory be to God. We're going to see this thing through in Jesus' name. We're going to believe God with you. Do you understand what's going on here? Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. He's talking to every member in particular. And this is what I want you to see. In Ephesians 5, I've got it written in my Bible. I wrote it down on purpose. How many of you know it said Jesus loves the church? Yes. All right, these are the phrases in those verses. Listen to me. Jesus loves the church. Now listen. He loves the church's body. He's the Savior of your body, the healers in the house. He loves the church's flesh. He knows your flesh and he knows you're probably going to do something that's not exactly spiritual. But he loves you so much he's going to make up for it. He's going to bridge the gap. Do you understand? Yes. He loves the church's bones. Yes, he does. That's all in there. He loves every one of you in particular. He's taking attendance today. He absolutely knows you're here. He's heard everything spoken. And he intends to carry the fullness of all of it out for Sean in particular. Because it's in the water. And Sean got immersed in the water.
You see what's happening here? All right. So, let's finish up with verse 10, 11, and 12. Put on the whole armor of God. He's not talking about you as an individual. You can do it, and you must do it to do your part in the church. But he's saying this church has got to put on the armor so that as a company to get the will of God done, we can stand against the wiles of the devil that's trying to stop this church from succeeding. Are you getting it? You see this? This is a corporate message to every one of us. We all have access to this. Look at verse 12. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. We've boiled that down so individually. But the problem is, every time you make it about yourself, you're wrestling with flesh. Yeah. Only way you're going to deal with the devil is come on up here. And realize that the devil is doing this to try to keep me from doing what I'm assigned to do in the kingdom. And once you get the big picture, the devil's done for. It's time, body, that we corporately stand against the wiles of the devil in our lives, our bodies, our finances, our families, relationships, marriages, whatever the case may be. It's absolutely time. He wants to baptize his church in the Holy Ghost. Now, I'm going to call you to the altar. I'm going to read Amplified Classic, verse 16. I want to call you to the altar here to take communion together, and I want to pray a corporate prayer over you as you do. And we're going to bring, I know I told the worship team, I expect them to be up here uh, sooner, but I want you, to, I know it's a faster song, but the anointing was all over that song. So if I could get the worship team back up here, we're going to worship our way out of here with a song that they finished worship with. You're going to come up here, and we'll just kind of stay a little while, as long as it takes, and worship for a few minutes to give you the opportunity to get yourself into the place where you receive at the table of the Lord that personal, supernatural point of contact with the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. People's physical bodies are going to be healed. Wisdom is going to come on what to do next. Personal challenges that are so great you just didn't know what to do next. How's this going to turn out? You're going to leave this place with an assurance. And we're going to read verse 16 over this congregation right now in the Amplified Classic. Because this is written to the church. And this is the biggest thing that I know the Lord wanted you to see. Ephesians 6.16, look at it. Lift up over all. Now you're seeing it already, aren't you? See, what we thought was, he's saying, above all the other pieces of the armor, lift up faith. That's what we thought. You know why? Because we're thinking about ourselves and we're thinking individually. He is saying, no, this isn't a message to individuals. It applies to every individual in particular. You take the Roman army, when they say, together, together, and they lock shields, They have an individual shield, but they're part of a shield. Do you see that? So when they lift up their shield, they lift it up purposefully and in an exact position on purpose so that they're not out there lifting up their own shield trying to save their life. 
They understand that whatever comes out of these gates, whatever comes out of these gates, together, 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 as one. And they just take their shield and go boom. And the people in the middle put their shield like this. And the next thing you know, they're surrounded and they're covered. And whatever's coming at them, bam, it hits an impenetrable brazen wall. It just can't. I mean, chariots fly and turn over. Arrows bounce off. Spears don't penetrate. Because together, we have all lifted up over all. Today, we're going to lift our shield up. Over us all. Yes. Come on now. Amen. Not over all the other armor or above everything else or more importantly than your feet shot or more importantly than the helmet. No. He is saying the body has armor to deal with the devil that's coming against the church. Amen. But you are built on a rock and whatever comes out of those gates. You and I have a shield together that will stop everything he has planned. And as the will of God gets done, which is your complete and absolute protection, every member in particular, now you're prospered, you're strong, and you're able to take your place and do your part in the vision. But not if you're out here all hogtied, gagged, tormented, can't sleep at night. These are your thoughts. Well, this is just the way I am. I'm just all sullen and you just got to take me how I am. Stop having such a short fuse. Grow up. Amen. Get bigger than yourself. Amen. And let God do it. Watch what he's doing. Oh, watch what he's doing. Oh, glory.